You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, today, as we have heard already, it's Mission Sunday. And missions is close to the heart of God. It's close to the heart of the Gateway Church. We have a little tagline that is more than just a tagline. We live this out, but we believe that missions has been and always will be the key to our future. Yes. Amen. Can you say that with me? Missions has been and always will be the key to our future. And the Lord has helped us over the years. In fact, I was uh, uh, taking our guest speaker through the building and, and just sharing the miracles of, the, of what has happened. When people say, how did you do this? Or how did you build for debt free? Or how did you, you know, what, you know, how is God working? I always, without a shadow of a doubt, bring it back to missions. When you honor missions, the things God loves He's going to take care of us, and uh, it's so important. But uh, we have decided this year to change our flow of missionary guests, and we have invited six missionary pastors from six different great churches uh, from the state of Michigan and Ohio to be with us, and we have enjoyed these, and today we're, it's, it's another one of those. And the idea behind this was that we wanted to ask churches that were a step or two ahead of us as a church that had a full-time missions or outreach pastor to come and to bring a little of the DNA from those situations where those churches are thriving with missions and to drop that here and to help us continue to grow. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but you said uh, it's time for us to get serious about missions and I'm telling you, it hit me like a, uh, uh, an arrow to my heart, uh, first service. And you can say it again if you want. But uh, I'm excited for us to open our hearts this morning. And the missions guest or the missions sp- uh, pastor is from my home church where I grew up, uh, from the Detroit area, Brightmore. It was Brightmore Tabernacle back then. Now it's Brightmore Christian Church, but uh, a great Christian or a great missions church. Um, I remember as a child uh, growing up and doing the missions parades, holding a flag, walking through the sanctuary, singing "People Need the Lord," <laughs> and uh, and uh, just great memories. And I think you know a lot of people will say, "Man, your pastor has got a uh, talking about me and Jessica." Man, they're they're past, they've got missions hearts, and and we do. I believe that the root of that came from my, my roots uh, back in Detroit at Brightmore Christian Church. And today, the missions pastor, she's been at the church for 22 years, 13 years on staff, and she is a powerhouse. And I'm uh, super excited for you to hear her second service here. Without further ado, would you give it up for Lisa Monroe? This is Miriam. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Appreciate you. you. And thank you for inviting me to your great church. What an honor and privilege it is to um, be a part of your mission service today. And uh, what a great church. And yeah, there, while uh, Pastor Ben was um, showing me around, let me tell you that that's the blessing of the Lord is um, on this church and on your family and 
on your church family and just um, excited to see uh, what all God is going to do in the future for you. And so this is an awesome church. Thank you for inviting me. And um, just a forewarning, I didn't warn the first service. I, th I felt led to warn the second. Um, it's going to seem like I'm yelling at you, but I'm really not. I'm just Spanish, and that's what Spanish people do. We just kind of use our hands, and we yell a little bit, but it's more passion. I call it passion and not yelling. My kids call it yelling. I call it passion. So um, thank you. I do feel the key to success in any successful church, uh, when you look around at different churches in our state or nation, um, really, the churches that um, are involved in missions are successful, and I believe because that's the heartbeat of God, this uh, missions is all about uh, the lost, and um, that's why Jesus came, is to seek and save that which, which, which was lost. And so any church that emphasizes that um, has no other, I, I think it's just, it, it's an automatic, it's a byproduct to be successful. And so, again, thank you. Pastor Ben and Jessica for inviting me. Um, I am the missions and outreach pastor at Brightmore Christian Church. Um, just kind of fell into that position. Um, really, we just started. Uh, Brightmore is going on there. I think this is their 97th or 98th year um, in establishment. We started at a pool hall upstairs in a pool hall in Detroit and actually Redford. And then they moved over to the Brightmore area of Detroit. That's where we got our name and then um, Southfield, and now we're in Novi, and Brightmore is just a fantastic uh, church to be a part of. I tell people long before it was, um, I was on staff, it was my church, and long after I'm on staff, um, it will be my church, and so just a great uh, people. We do the flag parade. Um, I actually one year uh, told our senior pastor, Pastor Jamie Chose, I told him, listen, we do that every year. It's getting kind of old. Like, it's just old school. Can we just do something different? Let's kind of think. He's like, no, absolutely not. And our church, every time we do it, it's just such an awesome uh, representation of the, the kingdom of God. In our church, we have 40% uh, is um, African-American. 50% uh, Caucasian, and then the rest is other. So we have a huge um, Hispanic community, a huge um, Romanian, uh, uh, African, like Nigerian and Kenyan in our church. And so they come with all Korean, um, Asian, they come with their beautiful um, outfits and they carry their flags. It's just great representation every year um, shows us um, what the kingdom of God is like. Um, so it's just an awesome time. So we still do our flag parade, and we love it, of course. Um, all right, so if you open up your Bibles, I'll get started. Open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and so I'll just give you a few, um, a, a little bit of a context of where we're at before we jump into that scripture. So Jesus basically is in Capernaum, and he's by the Sea of Galilee, and he looks at his disciples and says, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. And so they get into the boat. If you've been in church uh, enough, you know the story where they get into the boat. A big storm hits. Jesus is sleeping at the bottom of the boat. The disciples go wake him up. Jesus then wakes up, calms the winds and the waves, and the disciples are amazed, and then they land at the other side of the boat, or the other side of the lake. And so this is where we pick up the story in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. 
So they went across the lake at the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with the impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with, cut himself with stones. When Jesus saw this from a distance, when he saw this, the man, the demon-possessed man, saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in numbers, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending to the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and all the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not, let, did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word today, and God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts wide to your word, and that it would sink deep into our hearts, that we would walk out of here changed and transformed um, for your glory and your honor. We love you, we thank you, and we bless you in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. So a couple of things pop out at me over the story that I'd like to share with you. Six things, actually, six and a half things. They say that great preachers um, have three points, and I have six and a half. So that gives you a little bit of, um, that's where I'm at. So number one, the church is obligated to go to the other side of the lake. If you back up just one chapter, and I'll just read it for you. You don't have to go there. Verse, chapter 4, verse 30. Jesus, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And so Jesus went to this Gentile city, Gerasenes. He went to, it was primarily Gentiles. He was in Capernaum on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And he went to this Gentile city, listen, on purpose, 
Ministry was great on their side of the lake. There were hundreds, if not thousands of people that at this point were following Jesus. People were getting healed. People were being fed. People were being saved. Miracles were happening. Ministry really was booming. However, all these great things were happening on this side of the lake. Up until this point, Jesus and the disciples were ministering primarily to the Jews. So crowds were following him, and they were all amazed at his teaching and his miracles. Jesus and the disciples would have been great and would have stayed great had they just stayed on this side of the lake. Had they stayed on their side, ministry would have been continued to be fantastic. But Jesus did not stop there. He said, let's go over. Over to the other side of the lake. And Jesus went to the Gentiles, even when he knew that it wouldn't be popular. He went to the Gentiles, even though he knew he would be ridiculed for going there. Jesus went to the other side of the lake. Why? Because Jesus intended at that moment and intends for us today for his church to be mobile. Jesus intends for his church to be mobile and go to the other side of the lake. He wants us to go to people that maybe don't look like us or that don't act like us or that maybe they're not in their right minds. Maybe they're drunk. Maybe they're in the window at the red light district. Don't have the same education as us. And maybe they don't have the same amount in their bank account as us. Maybe they have different beliefs than us. The church is obligated to go to the other side of the lake because that's what Jesus did. And so missions isn't just about an issue of lostness. Missions is an issue of access. The people that were in the other side were on the other side of the lake had no access to Jesus. They were on the other side of the lake. So missions means to take the gospel, hear me, where it has not gone. Mission means to pray with an open Bible and hear me, an open map. Now, because of your, you are a great missions giving church. And so because of your generosity and your faith promise that um, comes up every mission Sunday that, or do you have mission Sunday every, every month? So on your every faith promise, every time you write that check to missions, you're supporting over 100 missionaries and ministries that have gone across the globe. They've taken the gospel to the other side of the lake. Right now, at this very moment, you have missionaries that are in countries that you can't even mention, that they're going where the gospel has not gone. They're taking the gospel everywhere where there is no gospel. And I get it. Hear me. Not every one of us is called to go global, but we are called to go somewhere. I go on lots and lots of missions trips. It's my job. And I always tell people, tell me, like, oh, you're going to be such a great mission or a missionary. And I'm like, ah, I don't feel like I'm going to be a great missionary. I love my toilet paper too much. I love my toilet. I love running water. I love all that stuff. So we might not be called to go global. I get that. But we all are called to go somewhere. Each and every one of us has our side of the lake. We are called to take the gospel 
where there is no gospel. That's the great commission to go into all the world. We are called to take the gospel to our businesses, to our companies, to our schools, neighbors, streets, even strip clubs, bars, prisons, foster care systems, boardrooms, offices, families. We are obligated to go to the other side of the lake. Why? Because of number two, if we don't, who will? If we don't go as the church of Jesus Christ, who will? Verse 3, it says this. This man, this demon-possessed man, lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. The story is found in the Gospel of Luke as well. And Luke says this, that this man lived like this for a long time. That he lived like this way for a long time. For a long time, no one could bind him. For a long time, no one could come near him. For a long time, not even the chains on his feet could contain him. The New American Standard Bible says this, that it's, it was constantly, constantly day and night screaming among the tombs in the, in the mountains, gnashing himself with stones with no one to help him. There is a whole world on the other side of the lake that are hurting and that are hopeless and that are in agony. And if we do not help, who will? Listen, this is our jobs. This is our jobs as a believer in Jesus Christ. The moment that you give your heart to Jesus, this becomes your responsibility to go to the other side of the lake. Because if we don't, who's going to do it? How will they know about the great hope and love and mercy and grace that's found in Jesus if we don't go and tell them? Number three. The man was dressed and in his right mind. The man was dressed and in his right mind. Verse 15, it says this. When they came to Jesus, so this is the town people. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there and dressed in his right mind. So I have one question when I read this. As, as a female, I it jumps out of the page for me, is that he was dressed and in his right mind. So I get the right mind part. The demons are now gone from him, so obviously he would be then in his right mind. But my question is, where did the clothes come from? Where did the clothes come from? Did he um, go to his dresser and pick out his clothes, or did he have a suitcase full of clothes? Where did the clothes come from? He was um, lived in the tomb. The Bible, the story says that he lived in these tombs for a long time. No one was there with them. That he had, um, he was dirty and probably bloody is what I would, because he was gnashing himself, and, and I can picture his ankles and his um, 
his wrist being just uh, bruised and bloody. Who, where did the clothes come from to that he was dressed and hidden in his right mind? Well, the Bible does not say, but I believe in the white space of the Bible. And of course, we have to be careful with that. We can't make up what's not there. But in the white space, I believe it says it all, that I believe that each, this is just my, my thought when I read the story, I believe that each disciple, because it was just Jesus and the disciples there, everybody else had gone off to town to get everyone to find out to, so that they could see what happened to um, the, the demon-possessed man. So I believe that each disciple gave him a piece of his clothing that I think that Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, give him your cloak. Matthew, give him your shoes. Um, John, give him your belt. I believe that Jesus asked each one of the disciples to put some clothes on him. And here's the application, that each and every one of us sitting in this room have has a piece of clothing that God wants you to use to help the, home, the, the hopeless. To, when you go to the other side of the lake, that God has given each and every one of us something that he wants us to use. It's different for everyone. Some of us is um, preaching. Some of us is teaching. Some of us are just sitting in cubicles. And some of us are um, in businesses and boardrooms. And God has given each and every one of us a gift and a talent that he wants to use to advance the kingdom of God. It's not just to advance us. It's to advance advance the kingdom. So learn what your gifts are and hear me, use them. I think about the call of Moses that, you know, Moses was uh, everything to the Israelites. Joshua was everything to the Israelites. But as great as these men were, um, God did not need them. And hear me, it's out of complete respect I say this, but God didn't need Billy Graham. He didn't need Mother Teresa. And God certainly does not need me or you to accomplish his work. But church, hear me, he does not need us, but the great mystery of the gospel of the Bible is that he may not need us, but he wants us with all of our fears and failures and faults and hiccups and hangups that God wants to use you to accomplish his work. He wants to work together with him to announce the kingdom of God through you to speak through you, to love through you, to show mercy through you, to heal through you. You are not needed, but hear me, you are wanted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The creator of the universe wants to use you. Amen? Number four. Number four. And they were afraid. And they were afraid. So verse 15, it says this. So when the man had came to Je or when the people had come to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Then you jump to 17. It says, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They saw what happened to the demon-possessed man. 
they were afraid and they begged Jesus to leave. 2,000 pigs went into the lake and died that day. When the pigs went into the lake, there, there went the herdsmen's livestock, their money. So all of their pigs, they just watched all of their pigs become demon-possessed and went inside the lake and drowned. And I'm sure they were thinking, as the herdsmen and the people in the town, I'm sure they were thinking, well, how am I going to make my house payment now? How am I going to make my electric bill? How am I going to clothe my family? How am I going to eat? We just lost everything because of this man, Jesus. The Gospel of Luke says this, that the people were overcome with fear. And they were, they were afraid of Jesus. And hear me, what it might mean to have Jesus in their lives. And here's what it came down to is that they were not willing to pay the price to have Christ in their lives. They were not willing to sacrifice. Jesus, get out of here. You just messed up my whole life now. Now I've got no money, no, no, no friends, no nothing. That Get out of here, Jesus, and hear me. And I want to be very clear, crystal clear to you today, because I think sometimes we get the false impression, or, or pastors will give the false impression that if you come to Jesus, everything is going to be fine. And yes, it will. But if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to go where Jesus wants you to go, if you're going to take a step of faith and go to the other side of the lake and begin using your pieces of clothing, it will cost you something. You will have to sacrifice something. Salvation is free, but to get the gospel out will cost you something. To get the gospel to those dark places, cost. This sacrifice means that you have to give up something of value. Sacrificial giving means to give up what we need and not just what we want. Sacrificial giving means that it might hurt a little bit. That's what missions, hear me, that's what missions is all about. It's all about sacrifice, and we have that from Jesus. He sacrificed for us. So at some point, we then have to sacrifice, sacrifice to get the gospel to those places that have no gospel, and to do, and to do that, you may have to sacrifice your friends, you may have to sacrifice your family. You may have to sacrifice your ambitions or talents. Or here's a big one. You have to sacrifice your time. And here's the even bigger one. You might have to sacrifice your money, your finances. I love when people tell me, uh, mainly it's unbelievers that will, whenever I'm having conversations with people, the church, they're always asking for money. Yes, we are always asking for money because to get the gospel out cost. 
to get the gospel out costs. It costs food to feed. It costs money to, food, to feed the hungry. It costs money to give medical to the sick. It costs money to get people out into the mission field. We have to sacrifice in order for the glory of God. And you already are sacrificing with your faith promise. Every time you fill out that card, you're saying that I'm, I'm committing to sacrifice to get the kingdom of God for the advancement of the gospel. I didn't say this in first service, and, and it's a story that hit me, and I wish I would have told them. Brightmore started uh, 97, 98 years ago, and it was by um, uh, the Bates family. And the husband, so they start Brightmore. The husband passes away, and Zula Bates, her her his wife, now is left with their children and the church. And so Zula then is in charge of the church. She's trying to get this church started. The husband passes away suddenly. She's got all of these kids. I don't know. Do you know this story? It's a fantastic story. It's, it, it's truly humbling. Anyone that goes to Brightmore, um, it's, I try to tell everybody this story. So her husband passes away. And in order to keep the church going and keep the affairs of the church going, she sends all of her kids to a, a relative to live in the farm. So she sacrifices for her kids to go away. So now she doesn't, she's not taking care of her kids for the, for the church. The church gets, is in financial difficulty because it's her running it. And there's no, now her husband is, is passed away and there's no pastor and um, all these things are happening. So she mortgages her home to keep Brightmore alive, sells all of her furniture, sends her kids away, mortgages her home, and actually loses her home to keep Brightmore open. And 98 years later, we're standing at the, we're sitting at the corner of Novi, Michigan, with you know, however many people we have, doing missions, doing outreach, preaching the gospel, people are being saved, all because of this woman's sacrifice. At some point, as a Christian believer, we've got to sacrifice for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we begin to live the kind of life that God has for us, when we begin to go to the other side of the lake, when we, the moment we begin to put our faith into action and we sacrifice something of value to us, know this, know this, that we have an enemy that won't be happy about it. So here's the warning. That the moment you do that, the moment that you step across that line, the, you will have an enemy that won't be happy. He will, there is an enemy that will lift his evil head and that will look to kill, steal, or destroy anything that you now put in place that you want to do or any decisions that you make and discourage you to quit. Like the townspeople, it caused fear inside of them that will paralyze us. I see this most with foster care. 
The moment, the moment I start to, people start to um, get involved in foster care, they get attacked by the enemy. I see it all the time because the enemy doesn't care about these children. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy them and their lives. And so the moment that we make a decision to go into the foster care world and try to make a difference in these kids' lives, they get attacked by the enemy. So or we will, what we see most is that not just that we'll get attacked by the enemy, but we'll busy ourselves out of going to the other side of the lake. I don't have time. I'm busy. And listen, I get it. We work, we all work, 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 work. And then we go home and we work some more. And then the church asks you to work some more. And so we just work and then we decide. But when you decide to go step across that line, listen, Satan's not going to be happy. And we have to have our eyes open to that, that there there's going to be attacks from here, but I have great news, great news that comes along with that. Verse 6, it says this, that when he saw Jesus, the demon-possessed man, saw Jesus from a distance. Now, he's got a legion of demons in him. He ran and fell on his knees in front, of, in front of Jesus, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In Jesus' name, don't torture me. So here's the good news, that even the demons know who Jesus is. So they may come and attack you, but even the demons know who Jesus is. When the attacks from the enemy begin to humble our lives, Jesus is ultimately in control. There is nothing in your life that Jesus doesn't have control over. There's no sickness, no disease, no situation, no marriage, no son, no daughter. There is no attack on the, from the enemy that Jesus doesn't have control over. He always has the last word. With Jesus, all things are possible. With Jesus, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. He is our rear guard and our front guard and our left guard and our, white, our right guard. With Jesus, we are more than conquerors. With Jesus, we have everything we need to live a life of godliness and righteousness. With Jesus, there's no temptation or attack that is more powerful than Jesus. Nothing is out of his control. Can somebody say amen to that? Phew. Took me that long. It took me all the way to point six to get them to say amen. It's so funny. Sometimes, I don't know if you know, um, Life Challenge, Teen Challenge is a great ministry that uh, works with um, uh, addictions, drug and, and alcohol addictions. And um, I go there and speak once a month and um, just kind of helps me remember um, what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so I'm, you know, I have, I don't know why they make me come so early, but it's 8 a.m. in the morning. And so sometimes when I get there, you know, and I'm doing the same thing, like I'm spitting and my veins are popping out of my mouth and they're just laying there. I'm like, okay, I got to work hard. All right. Nothing is out of Jesus' control. Number six, lastly, Go and tell, go and tell. Verse 17. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. 
as Jesus was then getting into the boat, because you can tell Jesus to leave your life and he will be a gentleman and do it. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but he said, go, say go. Go home to your own people and tell them, say tell. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I get this guy. He's asking Jesus. So he, Jesus comes. He's got a legion of demons inside of him. He's lived this life for so long. And he comes. Jesus comes along, heals him of the demons. Now he's dressed. He's in his right mind. But now, now Jesus is leaving. And I can imagine him... Here he is. He's lived his life so long, so much guilt, so much shame that he has on him. Everybody, all of the town people know who he is and what he's been and what he's done to himself. All of these people know that, and now Jesus comes, heals them, and now Jesus is taken off. So if I'm, the, if I'm the guy, I'm going, Jesus, please don't leave. Take me with you. All of them know who I was and what I've done. There's guilt. There's shame. There's all of these things. They all know me, Jesus. Just take me with you. And Jesus said, no. And he tells them to go and tell Listen, I think a lot of times we don't go and tell it's not for the lack of want or the lack of passion. I think sometimes we just don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. Go and tell. Well, I, I'm not a, a theologian. I'm not a pastor. I don't know the Bible the way that I should. What if they ask me questions that I can't answer? Hear me. With this, use this as an encouragement that here was this guy who had been in a tomb all his life or however long. It says a long time. And he was dirty. And no, there's no schooling. He didn't go to school and go to college and all this other stuff. He didn't have the Bible because the Bible didn't exist. He didn't have any of that stuff. He wasn't this biblical theologian or pastor but Jesus told him take what you have say that this is what how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you that's it it's all you have you don't have to worry about not being a biblical theologian or having all of the right um, wording or the right phrasing or the right uh, scripture verses how many of you that the Lord has done something in your life Raise your hand if he's done something in your life. Then you're good. How many of you, the Lord has had mercy on your life? Then you're good. You go and tell how the Lord has had mercy and how much he's done for you. Pastor Bobby, if you can come up. Missions goes where the gospel has not gone. Missions plant churches where the church has not been planted. Missions support missionaries who go to the unchurched and the unreached people. 
Missions finds the people in the places that have no believers, and then they make disciples. That's our job. That's the new, com- the, the great commission. And missions finally sacrifices. We cannot be a believer or a follower in Jesus Christ and not sacrifice. It's, that's just it. And it might hurt a little bit. It might hurt to write that. You got to write your tithe check and then you have to write your kids check to kids church. And then you have to write. It may hurt a little bit, but God blesses sacrifice. And there's no other um, way to say that. We can show it simply by Jesus's sacrifice on the cross that brought us freedom from our past, present, and future sins. We are all called to missions. We are all called to reach those people who do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our responsibilities. It is time to get serious about missions, about giving to missions and going for missions. God wants you to partner with him in changing lives. The Bible says that it is more blessed to give than it is received. There is nothing that you will ever give to God that he will not reward. I want to read this last point to you. This is the half point. Verse 20, it says, to close the story, so the man went away and began to tell. Jesus told him, go and tell. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. If you go to Matthew chapter 4. It says this, then Jesus went into throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain and demon possessed, having seizures and seizures and paralyzed and he healed them all. And then verse 25, then large crowds from the Galilee The Decapolis, Decapolis means 10 cities, Jerusalem and Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Large crowds from the Decapolis followed him. What's the point? One person, because of this one guy's testimony, no formal education, no biblical theologian, all he had was the story of how much Jesus had did for him. And he changed 10 cities. How much could you do if you go across the lake with your piece of clothing and you use what God has given you to speak to someone who's hurting, who's hopeless, who has no more faith. The suicide rates in our country are skyrocketing. 
We come across them all the time. The harvest is ripe. What could one person do? What could one person in this sanctuary do if you just go and tell? This guy changed 10 cities because of his story. Thank you for allowing me to have some time with you this morning. Missions is a, is, a hard, um, is a hard message. Anyone that makes missions a light message isn't giving you the full gospel, the full counsel of the gospel when it comes to missions. Because it wasn't hard, for, it wasn't easy for Jesus, and it certainly is not going to be easy for us. But Jesus wants each and every one of us. He saved us to to go out to the other side of the lake. I love this song. I said, uh, Elijah, first service is Isaiah. Sorry. Isaiah just, all he had to do was like, here I am, Lord, send me. And that's all you have to do today. Um, as they sing this song, um, if you feel pricked in your heart this morning, that maybe you're not doing enough for missions, or maybe you are, but um, you just need some prayer. If it, maybe you're, you need to step out on your sacrifice, and maybe it needs to hurt a little bit more. Maybe you're complacent in your Christian walk. I encourage you as they're singing this song to come to the altars and just ask God to help you, and he will. Missions looks different for every single person. I, I'm a pastor, so my world is my world. My husband works at a credit union. That's his mission field. So, so everyone has missions that looks different in here. So I encourage you that as we're singing this song, please come to the front. Ask the Lord to help you in this. If you feel led, um, do so. And, and I pray that the Lord would, would continue to bless you. So let me pray for you. So, Lord, we love you. And we thank you. And because we love you, we have to love missions. We have to love lost people. And so, God, I just pray that you would convict our hearts that if there's any space, and I know that this is already such a great missions-giving church and missions-going church, but, Lord, I just pray that if there is anyone in here that needs to get a little bit more serious about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, God, you would convict us and that you would move us to action. Do that now, Lord, for us, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's take some time to respond this morning. If you'll stand with me today, let's just set our hearts before the Lord. And like Lisa said, the altars are open. If you feel that call, you can come forward and let's sing this song together. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lisa, for bringing the passion, for bringing the hard message. And like I said before in my introduction for you, uh, your word at the end of the message that it's time to get serious about missions. And uh, in all respects, most people would say, you guys are doing it. You're, you're, you're doing a great job. But listen, church, I just want you to know that we've only just begun. We're just scratched the surface and God has great plans for us. That means you and me getting in the trenches, saying yes, like this song says, 
And at the end of the song, when it says, when we stand before the Lord, we will be glad that we said, God, send me. That is a powerful phrase in that song that we need to wrap our minds around. And uh, it is not always easy. (laughs) And God is calling us uh, to do it, though. He blesses sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My heart is full this morning. We're not going to receive an offering. Don't worry. But uh, I want to challenge you. Whatever you think about your circumstances, whether you think things are going great or not, it doesn't matter. Maybe you've just made the best sale of your life and life is good, or maybe you just lost a job. I don't know. God has something for you to do. Some of us, we come up with excuses and we say, well, you know, not me, Lord, or God would never use me. Listen, that last point, that half point, Bobby and I were talking about it between services. I'd never seen that correlation that this guy goes to the 10 cities and wins 10 cities. And we don't know his name. His background, we know some of his background that would probably, in our minds, we'd disqualify him. Or if we were in those shoes, we'd disqualify him. But God wants to use you. If you're here this morning saying, Pastor, I'm in. I want you just to lift your hand. Come on, I want to see hands of faith saying, God, I want to be used in this season. I want to say yes. It's a bold move. It's not an easy move. But as with our hands raised, I want to pray a prayer of commission because the moment we turn these lights back on, it's on. Before we leave here, as we leave and we go wherever we're headed today, today, tonight at the park, at the beach, we're on. Lord, send us. God, I pray for humble hearts that are willing to share about your mercy and your grace in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would challenge me in this local expression of uh, the body of Christ beyond our wildest imagination. Lord, that you would take a piece of what has happened over 97 years in Detroit, in my hometown, in my home church, and Lord, let a piece of that establish here for long-term, missions-minded success. And God, I pray that you would establish a work in every single one of us here. Go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. Thank you for being here this morning. And God bless you as you go. And we'll see you tonight at 4 o'clock at the beach. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.